Hello and welcome to the Global Skiing Podcast. Today I'm talking with uh, a good friend of mine, Fritz Stevenson. And uh, Fritz, I just want to welcome you onto the uh, Global Skiing Podcast. Well, Tom, really nice talking to you. Nice to hear your voice again. And uh, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, no, <laughs> no problem. You're on, the, you're on the other side of the world in Canada right now. Yes, that's right. Yep. Unfortunately, we're not such a good winter. Right, okay. We do our best. Yeah. So, um, I met Fritz uh, a couple of years ago in Sun Peaks in Canada. And um, the thing I remember, I don't know if you remember when we first met, but I watched you come down um, a slope and, you know, I watch most people on the mountain ski and, and this guy, you, stood out as um, as someone that obviously really knew how to ski well and I came up to you and I said, oh, hi, you know, my name's Tom and what's your name? And um, Yeah, so it was just cool. I just remember that first moment of seeing you and knowing that this guy has got something something about him. He's obviously done a lot of years, um, a lot of skiing and, and knows how to do it. So do you want to give us a bit of a background on on yourself, sort of where you started and... Um, well, thanks. Thanks, first of all, that I stood out. <laughs> you give me that credit that I didn't just stand out because of my accent. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know you were Austrian, so that was a oh, surprise. Good, good. Well, uh, my history, I actually wasn't born in a ski town. I was born uh, in a small town close uh, to Vienna, which is, which is called Schwecher which is really close to the airport, so a quite industrial uh, yeah, city, you can see. But I was fortunate that my father was uh, a ski instructor as well. And so he took me out like every weekend. We went to the mountains and we, I, I just skied uh, any single time I, I wasn't in school. I just was out there and uh, went out with my father. And uh, I kept going and, you know, like every Austrian, I did uh, uh, my race club training. I was never really good in racing, but you know, you just sort of have to do the race club thing. Yeah, it's a very Austrian thing, traditional thing. And yeah, so I skied a lot, and uh, I did all my uh, my school, and uh, most of the time I spent in in Zellamsee, Actually, I trained a lot in in Zellamsee. And uh, after I finished my school, and I did my army. Uh, we have to do in Austria, and mm -hmm. uh, then actually uh, I worked on the airport in Vienna because it was so close uh, as a forwarding agent, so I was uh, part of the export team, I was uh, uh, in charge of uh, transportation, Far East and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I did it for one or two years, and I remember I went on holidays, on summer holidays, it was in July, and I started surfing, it was in Greece, and I met a guy who was my surf instructor, and he was uh, in winter, he was ski instructor. And uh, I was really impressed, I said, yeah, in winter I ski, in summer I surf, and uh, he said, it's a great life. And I started surfing, and we hung out a little bit, went back, never forget, on a Sunday, uh, on Monday in July, I quit my job. <laughs> and everybody asked him, what are you doing? He said, I become a ski instructor. I had no idea how to become a ski instructor, where to work, what to do. You know? And I quit my job and said, no, I become a ski instructor. And after that, actually, I tried to find out, okay, what do you have to do to become a ski instructor? And um, yeah, it brought me to Zellamsee again, where I met my former boss and I did my level one in November, it was. And that's how I came to uh, ski instructing actually mm -hmm. and uh, then I did my level one uh, right the next year I did my level two and uh, yeah so I went on and uh, I became uh, more and more passionate about skiing in the beginning I became more passionate about upper skiing because everything was very easy for me level one level two yeah fell on fell on my nose because of that because I thought okay I, I just ripped through level four easily but yep. uh, I was partying more than uh, than actually training, and I didn't pass my uh, level three by far. And suddenly I realized, okay, you have to change something, you know. Uh -huh. Either you put the uh, the path of the upper ski instructor in Austria, you know, yep. or you actually train and concentrate on training and um, go for a level two, three 
that point, I didn't think about my level four. Yep. And so I trained, concentrated more on that, and passed my level three. And uh, then actually, uh, 94 to 96, I did uh, the school in Vienna for sports coaching and teaching. And I specialized, specialized in gymnastics and skiing. Ah. And actually, through gymnastics, I became a much, much better skier. I, became, uh, I improved by two or three levels, and suddenly I realized, wow, that's, that's amazing, you know. Wow. Just doing gymnastics uh, can improve my skiing, just the understanding internal and external uh, of movements, of uh, biomechanics, of dynamics. Yep. Improved my uh, skiing by by far, and uh, was great a great experience, and uh, that sort of changed a little bit my, my approach in skiing as well. And uh, I trained differently, and yeah, in uh, 1999 I did my level four, and uh, then I went on. I always stayed in the same ski school in between. I did some uh, seasons in uh, Australia, in Mont Bobo. Yep. For, Everybody who doesn't know more Bobo, we didn't miss anything because it's <laughs> the smallest ski, ski uh, mountain in the whole world, but yeah. it was good fun. And uh, yeah, then I, I worked my way in the ski school uh, to become supervisor. I was a supervisor in the ski school of Tselamsee, and uh, I did some uh, demo uh, demo uh, championships in Austria uh, with the team, and then uh, I swapped over to single demos. And so I got really involved in the in the ski instructor uh, in in the training world in the, mm -hmm. in the uh, yeah how do you say the ski instructor world. And then in 2003, I got invited uh, for the uh, Snow Sports Academy, and at that point, Richie Berger was the head of Snow Sports Academy. And uh, Snow Sports Academy is uh, a, the provincial ski instructor association. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, then I uh, started actually to train properly with Richie Berger. And uh, I stayed, we stayed about 10 years together as a team, as a, as a great team. And uh, yeah, after that, uh, a lot of things happened and uh, life changed. Uh, I became a dad. And, <laughs> Married, married an English woman, and we decided to uh, yeah make a big adventure, make a new move, and we moved actually 2012 to Canada. Started, I started to work in the local ski school of Sun Peaks. We moved to Sun Peaks, and yeah, here I am. We never went back to to Austria, and I got sort of stuck in, in Canada now. Yeah, and, yeah, cool. that's a that's a good story. Yeah, good story. There's some bits in there that I um, didn't really know about. But yeah, what's uh, interesting, so you, the, the gymnastics part you said really um, helped you improve your skiing. So with the gymnastics training, were you was that all quite new to you? Like had you grown up doing gymnastics or was it something you took on? Uh, I did a little bit of gymnastics uh, when I was about 14 or 15. But never, never in uh, in a competition uh, standard or competition level. Yep. And uh, yeah, I, I did many things. My, uh, like I said, my, I was fortunate, and my my father was quite sporty. He was a ski instructor. He played soccer, so I played soccer. I played tennis. Uh, I, I did a lot of all-round sports. And yep. then when I did my uh, sport coaching. Uh, yeah, we had the choice where we could specialize in uh, one or two or three uh, type of sports, and one of that was gymnastics, and it immediately jumped on me when I said, okay, uh, yeah, I want to do gymnastics, and uh, I love skiing, and I thought, okay, maybe I can combine that. And uh, yeah, I did. Uh, we did a lot of floor training, so we did a, a lot of floor exercises. We I don't know all the, the elements in, in English. Yep. We did uh, the horse. Yes. You call it? The pommel yes. horse. Yep. The pommel horse, which was just an experience on its own, because uh, the first uh, two weeks I was just on my nose, on <laughs> my on my palm, on my knees, everywhere. Yep. Great, great. Tool. So, yeah, and uh, throughout that I. Uh, 
I try to combine certain things or to put certain things into my scheme. Okay. Can you remember really any particular kind of things that you found were cross-related or like really you were like, oh, that's really going to, well, that really helped my short turn or my edging or something? Well, I think uh, in general, first of all, I became stronger. I became much stronger because we trained six times a week. And so I became uh, physical stronger. Yep. And uh, that, of course, helped my skiing quite a lot. Uh, I was able to do uh, to angulate much more because I, I could hold this pressure. I could. I was able to ski faster yep. throughout that. Uh, but also my understanding of forces because we learned about forces and I could feel the uh, centrifugal, centripetal forces uh, on different elements in, in gymnastics. Yep. And I, started, uh, I tried to play with these forces uh, in my ski. Yes. So I, I try to, you know, incline much more. Uh, how how far was I able to my skis on the edge? So I, I try to play with that and uh, try to relate it a little bit to gymnastics. Yeah. And actually, I became a, a stronger skier, but on the other hand, I became a much more relaxed skier, which yeah. was fun. Yeah. So yep. this really well together. Yeah. Very cool. Um, that's very interesting. So. Um, Fritz, uh, when you really started to take training seriously, who were some of your uh, mentors, and why? Why were they? You know, what what sort of made them important and, and helped you? What were some of the characteristics? Well, the uh, the first mentor, as I said, I started I studied in the ski school of Zellensee, and the ski school was uh, run by a guy named Albert Schmidhuber. And ski instructors were a little bit older, they maybe na uh, know this name still. He, you know, Schmidhuber was named uh, along with a Kuchenhauser, with a Professor Franz Hoppischer. Yep. Quite really strong names in the ski history, uh, not just in Austria, in the whole world. Yep. Uh, they definitely uh, yeah, built foundations in skiing, and uh, these foundations will always exist. So, and Schmidhuber was one of sort of these three guys and I was fortunate to work for him and uh, what did I learn from him just the first thing I learned about him was uh, leadership he was a really really great leader everybody um, who knew him had respect of him uh, and uh, on the other hand he was really loyal so he definitely because there was a time I talked about you know, the first three years where you know the parting part was uh, more important for me than anything else. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, he probably saw something in me uh, where he said, "Okay, I, I keep this guy. He's he's good." Uh, yep. And uh, so he was really loyal. And he was always supporting me in, in always in good and in bad times. And uh, he had a strong charisma, really really strong charisma, and. Uh, you know, he was a guy, he, he came on with his big Chevy, and you know, in Austria, <laughs> somebody comes with a big Chevy, with a skiing, with a big cargo head, you know, it, you always think, okay, well, what's wrong with this guy? You know, <laughs> and uh, he was just a characteristic. And then, on top of this, he was a, in his time, he was a great skier, you know, he was an awesome skier. Never forget when we, uh, once we went skiing at, uh, it was off-piste, and he went down, and everybody thought, oh, that's great powder whiskey, because he just skied down. Yep. And then I, I started, and after the second turn, I double-ejected, because <laughs> it was it was breakable crust. And then right. we just both jumped down like uh, yeah, like crazy, and he was just screaming at us, you have to ski, don't jump like mountain goats. <laughs> and it was just amazing, amazing feeling, and... Um, amazing control of his body on his skis, always balanced and centered. So he definitely was one of uh, one of my mentors, I would call. And then, uh, as I did my uh, level four course in 97 and 99, I had a break in between because I injured myself. I was fortunate again, and I had um, two examiners, uh, Guggenit Martin and uh, Gregor Bernd. Uh, 
everybody uh, who knew them, they knew what, what uh, Kalibov's skills they were. Yes. And I learned a lot. Uh, it completely changed my skiing again, especially Kueva uh, Bernd, for example, with short turns. I've, when I saw him skiing down, I never saw such sort of short turns in my yep. life. With that equipment, we skied on in those days. And so he just, uh, yeah, swapped my whole ski around as well. And then I Guggen and Martin in the Mogos. Yep. Uh, a lot of people know his uh, videos from Japan, wherever it was. And uh, yeah, just amazing uh, mentors. I didn't have them for a long time because it was just a part of the level four uh, program. Yep. But definitely learned a lot and uh, took that with me and uh, and uh, uh, tried to improve these things I learned um, the next uh, three years after I did my level four. And then, of course, when I met in uh, 2003, I met him before, but I never skied with him in, uh, at the level four course, uh, Richie Berger. I met in 2003. And at that point, Richie Berger was uh, the head uh, coach, the head coordinator of Snow Sports Academy. Like I said, it was the Viennese uh, Snow Sports uh, Association. Uh, I met him and I got an invitation and uh, I started to become an examiner. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, I actually from that point on, uh, me and we as a team started to train with. Uh, with Richie Berger, and that was quite a, a, a amazing time, amazing 10 or 11 years with Richie Berger uh, to get to know him, and uh, he built a really strong team around himself. It was just amazing. Uh, we had uh, guys in uh, like uh, Rottensteiner Hannes, Husnik uh, Hannes, uh, Frank Dieter, all re really strong uh, charismatic skiers uh, mm -hmm. and yeah it was definitely uh, Richie Berger was uh, one of one of my uh, most important mentors awesome. in my in my in my ski great my so like um, to give us an example of you know the kind of training you used to do with this team um, yeah, can you like can you maybe explain some of the exercises or drills that you found really, you know, made a difference or really pushed like the limit of your skiing? Like just uh, yeah, like how does like what are some things Richie Berger does and and this team you're with sort of would do to to really get your skiing going to the next level? Well, first of all, I have to say. Uh, Richie Berger is a very determined person. So he's a very determined, uh, focused and precise uh, person, not just in skiing, uh, just in, in, in daily life as well. And uh, every exercise actually, uh, he showed us, uh, he challenged us. You know, every exercise uh, was new. Every, every year he came with new exercises and he challenged us uh, uh, every time with new things so it was uh, really great for example uh, i remember when we uh, started to talk about uh, the movement forward inward forward inward uh, that you commit into the turn that where, where we say okay we really try to uh, put the center of gravity to the inside of the turn for example with uh, carving long radius Yep. Uh, he introduced that to us, and I remember uh, we did it, and he said, oh, he didn't do that. And uh, we said, of course we moved forward in that. You know, he showed us a video, uh, all we moved was in the universe, you know, just straight up, but never, uh, we never committed into the turn. And so, mm -hmm. no, let's try that. And I never forget, and... Uh, People still talk about it, or other instructors who saw us training the, the team of snow sports, because suddenly uh, a, handful, a handful of guys were just in the snow, they were just falling down. Because uh, we never experienced such uh, enormous, uh, enormous uh, uh, 
pressure on the body or so uh, yeah we experience the, the the outer forces from a different angle in yep. a different way and then we all try to push ourselves our how far can you move forward in how far can you move uh, or commit into the turn <coughs> excuse me uh, regarding to the speed yeah? yep. and um, that was uh, something I, I, I never forget and uh, there are lots of exercises uh, out there where, where, we, where Richie always pushed us and all himself as well uh, yeah to improve our ski yeah lots and, of so then uh, can you like what aspect of skiing did you find kind of the most drawn to and enjoyable like did you really enjoy going out and working on like long turns and this playing with this forward inward movement or did you really enjoy moguls or was there like a particular element that you found you would you know you like either were drawn to or you saw as maybe a weakness and that if you really improved that that would make the biggest difference to your skiing overall I think uh I got, uh, you know, I actually, what I, how I would describe it, I got really drawn uh, more and more into skiing itself. Uh, mm -hmm. Long terms, short terms, moguls. Uh, and if you have a guy like Richie, who is strong everywhere, you know, who is strong in long, in short, in moguls, in uh, off-piste terrain, He's always centered over his skis, doesn't matter how fast, how slow his skis, uh, doesn't matter in what sort of terrain his skis. Uh, so I got actually drawn to, to each turn, it didn't matter if it's a long turn, a short turn, uh, and uh, we pushed ourselves as well. Like with such a strong team, we went everywhere. We went everywhere. Of course, we always focused on um, certain times and certain things, but uh, overall, also cheers, we trained a lot of cheers with each other. Overall, uh, I, the interest was in everything. It was yeah. really too much because I wanted to improve my long turns, I wanted to improve my short turns, I wanted to improve my moguls. You know, yep. sometimes, uh, sometimes I got confused because I wanted so much to soak in, you know, rather than stay with one uh, with one, one task. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, excellent. So then, can you give, because uh, I know I've talked to people before that have trained in Austria and, um, you know, they've mentioned like crazy exercises like, you know, boots undone, one ski, no poles, icy moguls. Like, what do you remember as being the craziest sort of day? of training where you just thought this is just madness like this is taking it way beyond um, what's <laughs> normal <laughs> do you well, remember uh, well I remember uh, yeah definitely uh, on, it was uh, Moros it was in, in Caprum yep. and it was a uh, double black diamond uh, mogul run and uh, what we actually did uh, because we uh, we trained uh, GS, so uh, I was on my GS skis, um, one eighty-eight, I think it was. Yeah. Which quite a which, uh, quite a, a radius, as we know. Yep. And uh, suddenly, Richie said, "Yeah, let's go uh, mobile piece training." I said, "Okay, uh, let's uh, ski down." We said, "Let's ski down and change equipment. You know, get some skis for moguls." So no, we're not changing equipment. Let's go up with the with the World Cup GS keys and uh, train moguls. And uh, the the moguls they were like uh, Volkswagens. You know? Yep. And we said, okay, let's go up. And uh, you know, uh, that was probably in in the year two thousand four, two thousand five. We knew okay, Richie is great, but uh, we said, okay, we go up, and he definitely will go in the first gear. <laughs> yep. and he will take it easy because he knows okay we are on the race equipment and uh, even still wearing the race suit underneath so um, yeah. and then we went up on this double black diamond and uh, we know we knew this run and Richie said okay we, we start off try to find the rhythm 
you know, just not much to say, you know, because he probably knew what's going to happen. Uh, just try to find your rhythm, start in the, in the second or third gear and work yourself into fifth or sixth gear, if you're able to. Yep. And uh, what we thought, okay, uh, uh, that's, uh, that's the third gear, it was already the, for Richie, he started in the sixth gear, because uh, obviously this man has 12 gears, not six <laughs> gears, so, and uh, he started in the sixth gear, swapping into the eighth or ninth gear, and we were just standing up there and said, unbelievable, unbelievable uh, what we, what, yeah, how he's kicked down here. Yep. With, uh, he skied it like with a slalom ski, or it doesn't matter what sort of ski he would have on, you couldn't see a difference. Yep. It was just fantastic to watch. And then it, it, it was actually us, uh, it was our turn, and uh, it looked a little bit like I remember when we did it uh, in uh, Sampix, you and me, we took a video, yep. and it was just a laugh. It was a laugh because I was on my GS keys yep. and it started off a little bit steeper and I was just, you know, coming down and I couldn't believe it because, uh, uh, I don't know, I could take photos coming down, I could take photos uh, from, the, from the nature on the side because I was so slow. Yep. Exactly. It was the same, uh, it was the same feeling I had then in 2003, 2004, this double black uh, diamond run. And it was just, uh, we were all over the place, you know, feet apart, feet together, and uh, it was just really, really funny, really, really challenging. Mm -hmm. And there are probably uh, other situations where, where he challenged us uh, to the extreme. Uh, I can't think about them right now, but uh, there were moments with Begoricci, and there will always be moments where you think, really? Uh, and yeah. Yep. And I remember you, you explaining, because um, I've been out skiing with you a few times and you're, you're really good at, at articulating and speak, like saying exactly what should be happening and really detailed with your explanations. And I remember you saying that's something um, that you, I guess, learned from him. Like he would, he would spend like an hour just out of out of skis in ski boots like walking through and explaining how the start of this turn should be happening and so he would also not just do kind of the extreme stuff he would really wind it right back down and like be like super magnifying glass style looking at how the turn works is that right absolutely he, like i said he was uh, a very determined and a precise uh, or he is you know very precise and determined and uh sometimes well, he would just stand 45, 50 minutes and uh, talk about uh, skiing and just uh, show a turn without skis on, explain it so that everybody can understand it. And uh, his strength as an instructor, uh, what we took on or tried to learn is that he uh, saw immediately the cause of a problem. Yep. You know, it's not uh, you know, maybe this or that, it was just to the point immediately problem and uh, he found immediately the exercise for that yep. problem which improved that problem or which improved the scheme immediately mm -hmm. and uh, there's one example we had uh, I don't know when it was we had a level one course and he took on a group uh, of uh, level one skiers from Holland so Holland doesn't have many mountains as we yep. know and these were guys they probably spent on skis one or two weeks and uh, they failed already the level one I think two times and so it was a group of 11 or 12 people young people and uh, you know in the morning we said okay who is taking this group and everybody you know, stared at the floor <laughs> not, not me again and not this and Richie said I'll take it and everybody looked at him and said really no, and he said, yeah, I'm going to take this group. And he had uh, actually six days with this group. And uh, the first day he just spent uh, on a beginner's hill. You know, we saw him always uh, you know, uh, between, between uh, our runs. Normally we don't look very much uh, at each other. We just focus on our group. But this particular week we looked at Rich and he was just spending Times practicing shooting exercises with mm -hmm. a counter slope, you know, with these guys. 
and interesting. You know? And uh, I tell you, after six days we had the exam, uh, out of 12 guys, uh, 11 passed, and uh, probably four of them, they would have passed level two. Right. So he, he trained with these uh, people uh, yeah, with such uh, precision and determination. And uh, yeah, he, made, he improved their skiing uh, by, I don't know, by three levels mm-hmm. in, uh, in six days. That's great. And I think that's, uh, that's his ski from the world where he's really strong at, besides yes. his ski. So on that skier analysis kind of topic, because I know, um, you know, you and I have talked about sort of the differences in the way, you know, the different systems like the Australian, the Canadian and the Austrian system maybe analyse and look at a skier. Can you speak a little bit about how in the Austrian system or how you've been trained to look at a -hmm. skier? So Mm -hmm. when they're coming down. Maybe bef- before that, Tom, uh, I quickly want to explain the Austrian system. Uh, yeah. That we understand, okay, when I say, okay, this, uh, this uh, Austrian ski analy- analysis uh, system, uh, we, as Snow Sports Academy, uh, worked with that, but uh, other uh, associations didn't work with that. And that's happening because in Austria, uh, in Austria, we have the so-called OSSV. Mm-hmm. That's uh, actually the head of the uh, Provincial Ski Instructor Association. And the OSSV uh, is uh, representing uh, all the needs you know, in, uh, in political uh, matters and uh, abroad, especially uh, to the EU. And the, he, uh, the OSSV is just responsible for the Level 4 educational program. So they they, they nearly doing their own thing that you uh, just do the level four and they're based on Albex and, and San Cristo. And uh, that you have uh, that you are able to do the level four, maybe as you know you have to do an entry exam. And uh, everything else uh, until level four, that means level one, level two, level three, is uh, concerning the uh, eight provincial ski instructor associations. Mm-hmm. So in, in Austria we have uh, nine provinces, so one province doesn't have a ski instructor association, which is uh, far to the east, yep. close to Vienna. But all the other eight uh, provinces, they have uh, uh, ski instructor associations. And uh, it's really up to them what they do. It sounds a little bit funny, but uh, it's really up to, the, uh, up to them what they do. So they, uh, of course, you know, okay, for level one, you have to do... Uh, I don't know what it is now, 14 days. Everybody has to do that. Yep. But what they put in these 14 days, it's really up to them. What they teach you, it's up to them. Uh, and it just comes together, okay, if when somebody is level 3, he should be able to pass the entry exam of level 4. But how you reach this goal to get to level 3 is really um, everybody's concern. Uh, everybody's concern. And now you can imagine that there is a lot of uh, competition going on in other uh, provinces you know, because it's all about membership and Austria depends on tourism very strong. So you have Tyrol as a very, very strong uh, ski instructor association mm-hmm. and uh, they try of course to get all the new ski instructors into Tyrol, the same with Salzburg, the same with Fallberg. So the competition is uh, is really really strong uh, in Austria, not just in racing, also on the on the ski instructor basis. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I say, okay, the Austrian skier uh, analysis system, analysis system was our system. Uh, we created together, and uh, we worked with. And just to for clarification, uh, how it works in Austria and why. Why I say that? Yes. And well, uh, I I work. Um, w- what we always did uh, the most difficult uh, part, if you want to give advice, so if you want to see, okay, where the problem is, always to see the cause of the problem. Definitely mm-hmm. the cause of the problem to see, it, as you know, as we know, to tell somebody, okay, you rotate. It's easy saying, but what is the cause of the? Rotation. And very often it's, it's not so easy to see 
actually that uh, the cause of the problem. Yes. It's very deep. And so where the, where the problem is actually uh, rooted. And what we do, or how I uh, approach now is Kia, uh, doesn't matter what ability, uh, the first thing is uh, equipment. Where I say, okay, is the equipment uh, right? And uh, not just with our clients, also with skin instructors, we know. Uh, sometimes, uh, a lot of the times, uh, the instructors are under-equipped. Yep. And uh, I think uh, Jonathan, in his interview, he already mentioned that try to find the right equipment yep. that you uh, can give the right performance, that you uh, can train under the, uh, the, best, uh, the best circumstances. And that was the first, that is, that's the first thing when I uh, look at somebody, okay, if, if the equipment is right. The same is with the uh, boots. You know, if the, the boots are right, is the cause of the problem the ski boot. If the ski boot is too soft, we know, okay, uh, you can't perform as a strong skier uh, and so on. And uh, then, of course, and uh, I really focused on that uh, just the last two years, the poles. You know, a lot of uh, my clients uh, they ski too long poles from yep. older days because uh, it's still uh, you know, in some ski shops the opinion okay 90 degree angle blah 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 yep. and so I worked a lot on the poles and also on the um, on the weight of the poles uh, a lot of people they underestimate the, what a, a, a pole can do to your skiing how it can influence your skiing and uh, sometimes you get really, really heavy poles for these tiny people, and uh, it totally influences your ski. Yeah. So uh, a rotation uh, could be caused by a too heavy pole. Yep. No, not not just where you okay, rotate because uh, of this or that, just because of the pole, for example. Mm -hmm. So I really uh, try to uh, get take the equipment care of that. right. Get the equipment right. So quickly on the on the pole thing, because I know I think we're on a similar similar agreement here. Like you said, it's maybe a bit old school the way that ski shops measure the length of the pole being kind of with with your arm by your side at ninety degrees and you grab under the mm. basket and that's the length of the pole. It's not yeah. really like that anymore. Like what? How tall are you, Fritz? Well, I'm uh, one seventy six. Yep, and what and, length pole uh, do you ski on? My poles are 115 right yep. now. Yep. And uh, I measure, that's that's my measurement if I'm in my ski boots and I, I stand on the hard floor uh, and I just take my poles with normal grip, uh, it's about 10 degrees down. Yep. So my, my, my angle is about around 10 degrees, 10, 15 degrees down. Yep. And oh. yeah, because I, I totally agree. And even if you're if you were just skiing moguls all day and you had the option with say an adjustable pole would you make it even shorter? I probably would even make it shorter. I probably would even go on uh, 112 or 111 or even 110. I yep. would make it shorter. Yep. Yeah, and cool. Uh, I think yeah, that was just a good thing that you brought up there because uh, I, I, I agree that that's something that is maybe sort of stuck in the past pole lengths and you know when you've got too long a pole like you said it's a lot more to swing and also if you're skiing dynamically and you're in quite a you know compact position when you are transitioning when you are making the pole plant then a long pole you're going to have to kind of row like a, a boat or aren't you out to the side rather than be able to just it's go straight enough. through I remember when I started uh, becoming a ski instructor, I skied uh, pole lengths, uh, what was it, 125. Yeah. And we skied on a different equipment, we skied a different style, we never skied in such deep positions. How we skied. Well. The, the, uh, the, uh, the forces, how they changed, you know. We ski much different, much different positions now, and so we adjusted everything. We adjusted uh, yeah, the skis, we adjusted our body, uh, we adjusted boots, but we didn't adjust the poles. Oh, so yeah. um, therefore, I said, okay, we have to cut down the poles as well to uh, 
get this performance done. You know, that the call actually becomes a help and not uh, an enemy. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, sorry to get you off topic there. It's, um, it's so, fine. So, so that's, yeah, equipment. This, that's uh, where, where I say, okay, uh, that's one part where I focus, okay, is the equipment, right? Then the second thing is, we should never forget where uh, I concentrate on is the, what's the anatomy of the person, of the skier. No. And uh, it's a quite an important factor in skiing because it depends how I teach somebody. For example, uh, when I have bow legs or A-frame legs, no, especially with women, they have uh, A-frame, they have the tendency to have A-frame legs. Mm -hmm. So to a, to a certain degree, uh, I can uh, get rid of these A-frame legs, no, yep. but really just uh, through wedging, through canting, we know all that. Uh, we know all that stuff. What we can, uh, how we can influence it, but it's just a certain degree possible. If uh, if I'm done with these technical uh, possibilities, and uh, I still have somebody with a frames, I have to live with it. You know, mm -hmm. I can't get rid of the a frame. You know, and I, I can't say okay, uh, the inner leg or the inner scheme more and yep. more. Really try to uh, to. Uh, to get this A-frame because uh, all you will end up with, you know, with pain mm -hmm. you know? and uh, uh, or if somebody has uh, a low doses, a, a kyphosis, you know, yep. uh, it's something I have to live with, I have to deal with uh, yep. as, a, as a coach, as, a, as an instructor. Yes. And example, for example, uh, in 91, 92, one of my first clients, uh, he was uh, a German soccer player, a professional soccer player, and he had extreme uh, boldness, yep. uh, Pierre Litbarski, old player, and uh, wedging, all that stuff, he already, of course, had his boots uh, yeah, pushed out a as much as possible, but he had, well, had such old legs, or bow legs, like yep. in English, uh, he hardly could do a snowplow because mm -hmm. it was nearly on the outer edges. So uh, to a certain degree, you know, you were thinking, okay, how, uh, how can I get this guy away from, uh, from a snowplow as, uh, as quick as possible because it's so anatomically incorrect and technically incorrect for this guy. Mm. So anatomy is, uh, is uh, definitely a part uh, which I include in my, in my uh, how you see it in my, in my uh, um, correction. Uh, correction, my, yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. Then, 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 so I work my way from down up. Then the three ski joints we don't have to mention, you know, the three ski joints that they are uh, bent or extended equally. You know, yep. if one of the joints doesn't work, we don't have to go in detail. I think with the ski joints, yep. everybody knows what, uh, yep. what's happening here. Uh, the upper body is one of the parts where, where I uh, focus on is that the cause of the problem and uh, I started also uh, here in Canada working uh, very strongly uh, with the core to include the core into my scheme to include the core into my uh, client scheme and uh, it's quite interesting uh, because sometimes uh, and I made this experience especially this year uh, for example, in Mogos, we realize, oh, the approach, you know, how I approach, uh, or how my clients approach Mogos, are actually the, uh, completely the opposite. Because what they do, you know, when they approach Mogos, they start to stiffen up their legs, they want to be strong in their legs, in their calves, yep. and actually become loose in the core. You know? So mm -hmm. it's okay, you know what, all we concentrate now, we just concentrate on a strong core and nothing else. Just yep. uh, relax your legs. It's always a comment. It's it's easy saying, but we say okay, just uh, try to tighten your core or steep terrain. Just tighten your core, and I had really good um, uh, feedback through that and uh, core training through skiing, where we realize, oh, if I engage my core, I'm actually a much more relaxed skier out yes. of my legs. Yeah. I don't have to tell you about that because you're the, you're the pro in that in that, uh, that field. No, it's and good. 
that's and good. it's the same uh, I can compare it just try to stand on one foot you know for everybody try to stand on one foot yep and really do it out of your calf and uh, thigh muscles that you yep. really try really hard to uh, tighten uh, these muscles you will see it completely influences your balance where you're mm -hmm. not strong and then you try the same, you try uh, just to engage your core muscles without even thinking about the thigh or the, the lower extremities and you will see much more imbalance. Yeah. It's, it's the same on a Swiss ball. I do a lot of uh, training on the Swiss ball, on the bozo. Yep. And uh, if you want to be strong on the Swiss ball, you have to engage your core and relax actually your legs. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's uh, exactly the same way how I approach now skiing. That I say, okay, I try to be stronger in my core and much more relaxed in, in my legs. So yes. this is one of the uh, uh, problems I realized that people don't engage their cores. But I think it's a, it's a problem which happens in the, all over. Yes. In, in normal life, not a engagement. And of course, one of uh, our, um, uh, which is part of our, our analysis, uh, are the arms. You know, we always know that uh, the arm position is uh, is a, a very uh, uh, personal thing. You know, in Austria, you know, we always get these because we hold our arms so high. You know, you know it for me. Yep. <laughs> and uh, in, uh, in Canada, the arms are very relaxed. So, you know, uh, the arms, uh, where is the right place for the arms? Uh, the right place is the, for the arms, I always say, is where it helps me balancing. You know, if I go fast, if I slow, if they move forward, if they move to the side, if they uh, high up, the lower down doesn't matter, as long as they really help me with balancing. But mm. uh, when they're not in the, in the right place, that they actually help me balancing, then it could cause uh, a problem or yep. could be the root of a problem. You know? And uh, just for, for everybody out there uh, where I say, okay, you know, how do I find the right arm position? I don't think comfortable. Just try different uh, arm positions out. You know? Just try them out uh, more forward, more to the side, higher, lower, and try to feel where you feel relaxed, where you feel relaxed in your, in your whole chest, in your in your, in your trapezius uh, and the shoulders and mm -hmm. where you see okay where does it help me and that's then the, the right arm position for you as a skier yep and then the last thing uh, is actually the head mm -hmm. the head is uh, one of the one of the root problems you know very often uh, the root problem number one that the position of the head is uh, yeah, it's not where it should be, and that's the cause of the problem. Yes. Yeah, I remember that, uh, the day going out training with you, and for the first time ever, someone had given me different feedback about my turn to the left, or my turn to the right, sorry, mm, um, yeah. that I'd never heard before, and you mentioned, you know, when you when you're turning left and you're about to enter your turn to the right, you don't look into the turn. And, mm -hmm. you know, I thought, oh, that's rubbish. You know, I'm always looking a bit ahead. But then we looked at the video and there was a remarkable difference in where my head was positioned and where my vision was focused turning left and then yeah. turning right and trying it. I realized in the moguls it was the same thing. I would, I would look into the every turn really well if I'm going from turning right and turn, to turning left. But the other mm -hmm. way around not so good and straight away my mogul skiing improved as soon as I changed that my vision and my head and my pressure on the outside ski changed and yeah it was a real revelation to me um, so yeah do you want to maybe speak a bit more about that the head and the vision it's it's quite interesting because the head as I can remember we never talked about the head you know we never talked about the head uh, that was the last thing you know, uh, head, uh, you know, uh, head you included uh, after upper ski when it hurt. You know, it was the, the only time when you say, okay, yeah, I do something with my head because yeah. it hurts. But uh, it's interesting because if you just 
think uh, what the head is re responsible for, and we're really not conscious of, of, of it anymore because we it's so included in our body, in our movements. Mm -hmm. um, just think about uh, if you walk, if you walk around the corner, if uh, if you make turns. Uh, the head is always the initi initiative yeah, to make this uh, turn when I walk, for example. And we, it's so automatized that we do it, that we do it uh, automatically. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you always, uh, if you ever experienced, you know, when you just walk on the road and uh, we guys, we can say it, we look after a beautiful woman, we turn around our head, but we try to keep straight, we yeah. change our direction, you know. For the women, the same with hot, hot guys, you know. Yeah. So uh, turn around, and you change the direction because you change your uh, balance. You, know, you change the center of gravity. Mm -hmm. So the head, uh, it's not okay. The head must do something because it influences so much. It influences our um, our um, yeah our, our direction. Yep. And. Uh, it's a uh, it's a sensor uh, it's a sensory principle I call it sensory principle. Mm. Uh, the pe the point where you look it leads your movement. Yeah. Okay. The stronger the stronger you look, uh, the stronger it leads this uh, movement. Uh, and tr to, for example, try to walk. Uh, easy example. Try to walk and don't move your head uh, and make a turn. At the same time, you will feel okay. Of course, it works. But it's stiff, it's not relaxed, and uh, it's not round. Of course, I follow my my direction where I go, but it's it doesn't feel right. Yes. You know, it's not round. It's not uh, economic. Yep. And uh, it's if I just before I talk about this, if I uh, make it more understandable and let people more think about it. Uh, Take for example, and we talk very, very strong about it all throughout you know, the last 40, 50 years with motorbiking. You know, it's a rule number one where I say, okay, uh, when you when you uh, you know tilt your your motorbike, you always look at the exit of the corner. And uh, the most accidents are actually happening when somebody makes a turn and he's not committed looking at the exit of the corner. He looks uh, right. slight different direction, you focus a little bit more, uh, if it's a left turn, you focus, focus a little bit more to the right unconsciously, yep. can cause an exit, accident, very dangerous in, in uh, motorbiking. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course in, 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 in skiing it's not so dramatic, where I say, okay, uh, if I no, not look in my turn uh, very, very actively, I, I just crash, it doesn't happen, you know, but uh, that's uh, nothing to do with that. And uh, so and now if, if, if somebody asks, uh, yeah, is this, uh, do I start skiing like that? That I say, okay, uh, do I start uh, learn somebody skiing by just moving my head around left, right? Uh, it's a no, absolutely no, because yep. we still start skiing with our legs. Mm -hmm. you know? And if uh, the head is a cause of a problem, then it's a yes. Mm -hmm. Then I start working uh, with the head, so it's a yes and no uh, answer. A good example for uh, I had uh, from Zellamsee a client, private client, a woman, and uh, she was uh, yeah slightly uh, advanced beginner, so she was uh, make uh, was able to make stem turns, and to the right hand side she was completely tilting to the inside with the whole body. So yep. she didn't come away from her downhill ski, she just was uh, hanging on on her right leg. And uh, I tried to do a lot of exercises to become a, uh, to get her into a neutral position. And then I, I looked and uh, I thought, gee, it's actually her head. Her head is in, in a complete wrong uh, position. So when she initiated to the right hand side, her head completely tilted to the right hand side, so it was like, uh, yeah, really yep. weird. Yep. So you, uh, uh, you can do 100 millions of exercises, you know, with pose, without pose, whatever is out there, whatever we know, but you will never get this woman in a neutral, in a nice neutral position unless you correct her head position. Yep. It's the same if uh, somebody uh, throughout the turn, throughout the steering, 
tilts his head to the inside. And do all these exercises for uh, at that angulation, he will always incline, he will always yep. have his inside lead, and you'll never get him uh, in the position where you want because of his head position. So, in these cases, I say, okay, uh, I have to work on the head because it's the cause of the, the root yep. of the problem. And uh, so, normally, I say, okay, I, if the head is not the root of the problem, I start from uh, the bottom to the top from the bottom to the head yep. and then as we become a, a stronger skier uh, then I start to include my head then I talk to the head talk talk about the head yep. and then I work my way from the top to the bottom to the bottom. and I, I, I reverse that system uh, which works really really well and uh, just yeah. try out you know, everybody tries out uh, as an example where you say okay where should I look now you know, normally I say you, the best, uh, and I explained it with motorbiking, you should always look at the exit of the turn, at yep. the best position. And uh, through that, through that movement, when you move your head, you move your spine, and automatically you make a weight transfer. You make a, through that movement, you make a weight transfer. Of course, this, uh, this movement uh, should be harmonic, you know, that we're not saying, okay, uh, well, head, and spine, then, uh, and then hip, hip then legs. Ski. So it's, yep. it, it, it's one uh, synergy. It's yes. one synergy. I say, okay, head, and it just flows down, uh, like I explained it with walking. You know, we yep. walk in the I look in the direction, and at the same time I make my turn, and then what I do very strongly with ski. So uh, I look at the exit of the turn, and uh, what I wanted to say, how to practice it, or how to uh, get that feeling, mm -hmm. is the head important? Just Try exactly the same. I explained with the arms. Try to ski down and uh, make a left turn. Look at the outside of the turn, not at the inside. Very in extreme positions. Yep. You know? Really exaggerated. Exaggerated. Try to tilt your head to the inside of the turn. Try to angle. Have a nice angulation. You know, you will see it's really hard. Mm -hmm. And then you find out, okay, where actually. Uh, where should I put? Uh, where should I put, position my head, or where should I actually look, or where should I focus? That the head, that the head is actually uh, helping me, and the coordination of that is in the beginning very difficult. It's very difficult because the head is all over the place. You know, uh, I look into the turn. When should I look out of the turn? So it has to become a flow. You know, where I say, okay. I look strongly into the turn and I'm moving in that direction and uh, then at the exit of the turn uh, I slowly start to look uh, at the entrance of the next turn and when I'm at the entrance of the next turn I already start to look at the exit of the, uh, uh, of the, of the back of that turn. Yep. So and that's coordinative uh, really high so uh, in the beginning it's uh, Richie Berger exercise without skis, you know, he loves to run around on the slopes without skis. Yep. Quite <laughs> and uh, it's great, just uh, run down the slope, you know, long turns, medium long turns, and practice this. And you will see, oh, it's actually, uh, even if you just walk, walk your turns down, uh, it's you can, really... You can feel the effect, can't you? You can feel the effect, and the, the powerful thing which uh, got me really when I, when I practiced it, and sometimes, I catch myself, and uh, I'm at that point now where I feel the difference very strong. I catch myself that I'm not looking actively into the turn, mm -hmm. and suddenly I'm slow. I'm slow at the initiation of the turn. I'm slow at the, at the top of the turn. Uh, yeah. I'm, I don't build up enough pressure, and then I look. Uh, I realize, oh, let's look more into the turn, and uh, suddenly I immediately feel the feedback, the difference. You know? suddenly I, I build up pre-pressure and that's the, the thing that really got me where I say okay, if you really uh, at the initiation, if you look actively into the turn you know, you, you can try it out uh, home, you know, where you uh, try to do uh, stand sideways and angulate we all know this exercise where we get the feeling like the angulation yep. and then just try to force yourself into the new direction and look in that direction and you will feel, even if we're still creating or if we're still in a neutral position, what tension I uh, 
I'd build up on the outer side of my body, yep. throughout my chest, throughout my abdominals, throughout my thighs, throughout my uh, shin. Yep. And uh, this is the direct transfer over my ski tips, over mm. my ski tips where I build up so much grip pressure, already at the highest point of the turn, at the beginning of the turn, uh, really nicely can uh, take this pre-pressure into full pressure over the middle of the ski and then to the end of the ski. So it's, nice. uh, this head thing is quite amazing and who's doing it really, really strong is, for example, the skis in Japan. Yes. And uh, Paul probably can uh, agree with me and if you watch the, the videos of the competitions, they very, very strongly look into the turn. So they, they come in really strong through that uh, high in the arc. Yep. And uh, yeah, I'm a, uh, I'm a really fan of the heads and uh, I get such great feedback even from my clients. Uh, and they always realize when their conditions are difficult. When their yep. conditions are difficult, meaning when I have slushy snow, you know, and I include my head into the turn with a uh, with the experts here, where they always say it's so hard to turn in this slush. And I said, okay, try to uh, initiate uh, your turn with the head. And suddenly we realized, oh, it's actually much, much easier to, to initiate my skis. Yep. This. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I like it. I, I, I still remember it was uh, a really profound day when uh, I learned about that. And, and I went back through videos of myself skiing and could see it in all the turns that weren't so good. The head was was not involved and I wasn't really actively looking into that new turn. And yeah, it was, it was a really great feeling. And I mean, I guess it, it makes total sense. Your head, I mean, is constantly trying to, like your, your eyes are constantly trying to find a level horizon so it can get, you know, the right information so you can be balanced and mm -hmm. if your head is kind of tilted you know inside too much then your body is not going to really respond very well and balance well because it's getting poor information about that and um, yeah I know that with some of the clients I see coming into my uh, body alignment practice that's that's very evident like the kind of shifts they have in their rib cage and their pelvis and their feet to accommodate yep. their head being at you know uh, yeah. a funny angle but from looking out from their eyes they look completely level but you know my eyes looking at them they're kind of all a bit crooked so yeah the head is is huge so yeah thanks it's, for going into heaps of detail about that and I think it'll be really good for people to get out there and like you said exaggerate you know the the difference is leaning your head in leaning your head out looking to the outside of the turn looking to the inside and and who is doing it, for example, very strong and uh, we don't think about it, for example, uh, the guys in the World Cup, yep. because uh, they look exactly in the right position, because they have to look in the right position, because when he is at the, at the top of the turn, you know, he has to look at the gate, you know, and as soon uh, as he's strongly looking in, uh, in, the, in the direction forward, in, uh, and when he is at the position of the gate, he already looks at the next gate. Mm -hmm. So I always uh, look through that, through this given direction, in the right direction. And very often we see this phenomenon when we set brush, brush gates with our, our clients. You know, say, well, it's really great. Uh, part of it is because they're looking in the right direction. I wouldn't yep. say it's just that, but it's one part that they improve uh, in these uh, sort of drills uh, very yes. well. Yep. Excellent. Well, Fritz, um, it's been great chatting with you. I don't know if there's anything you wanted to say on the end of this uh, chat. Um, any like parting advice for people working on their skiing or anything else you wanted to say? Well, first of all, uh, thanks again for, uh, for inviting me for this uh, broadcast. I think it's a great thing, you know, and... Uh, uh, it was about time, you know, to, to share. It's like an online interski, I would say. It's, yeah. it's uh, a great tool for everybody. And uh, you have uh, such uh, great uh, technical skiers, such great char characters you, you on the podcast. And uh, it's really great to listen. Um, 
from my side, what can I uh, advise for for instructors who who wanna improve? Uh, all I can say is key. You know, it's key, and it's quite easy saying, and don't ski, and don't think ski, you know, yep. because you hear it so many times, and uh, you know, people talk about skiing so much, and sometimes we over talk skiing, and uh, forget that we actually have to ski that we become better. We need the mileage on the car that we actually become a, a stronger driver, a more confident driver. You know? mm-hmm. Of course, uh, talking about skiing uh, and uh, and uh, biomechanics, that's my knowledge, you know, definitely should have that. But uh, just that is not enough, so you, you, have to, you have to ski. Do it. So do it, you know, go out, yeah. play there, you know, uh, play in different terrain, um, get uncomfortable, you know, uh, change your turn shapes. You know, I see it so many times um, that we get, you know, on this run, I just do short turns because I feel good. Just a, a certain type of short turns. Don't change anything. Just uh, get out there and uh, feel uncomfortable in your skiing, and that uh, what improves your skiing. Yeah. And uh, or you hear very often, you know, uh, moguls. It's always this big thing. You know, I, I don't want to ski moguls, and I'm not good in moguls. Mm-hmm. And when I train out there, you know, in, in some bigs wherever, uh, I don't see anybody in moguls. Nobody yep. skis it. So uh, I have to do that. And yep. one, maybe the last thing, just uh, try different equipment. You know, just try to get out there, uh, get away from uh, whatever you ski, uh, ski long turns on GS skis, ski, ski short turns on slalom skis. So play with the equipment as well and yep. uh, get uncomfortable in, in, in that matter as well. I think that uh, makes you stronger as well. It's uh, fantastic. That's my advice for everybody out there. Excellent. Well, again, thanks very much for uh, you know giving us your time today, and you know perhaps if this keeps going well, we'll we'll have another chat in the future and ask some different questions. But thanks again, Fritz. Okay. Thank you, Tom. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Some of you may already know that I've been advising Carve and working with the team for some time now. And this year, the team has come up with probably some of the most exciting developments to date. They've been working on representing the most fun parts of skiing in their system. They've developed three brand new metrics, progressive edging, early weight transfer, and one that measures the G-force in a turn. And that one, I have to say, I got to try it out this winter in Australia, and that is really fun. This new addition is going to be incredible for anyone who's looking to really push their skiing up a notch. Now, what's even more interesting for this year is the system now detects what terrain you're on and pulls that into your Ski IQ score. This is a huge change and a great upgrade because sometimes it would only really score well if you were skiing on perfectly groomed snow. Now it's going to accommodate and adjust whether you're skiing in steeper slopes, more chopped up snow or firmer snow. So this is a very big change that I think is massive kudos to the team to keep pushing and progressing the app even further. If you're the kind of skier that is looking for a tool to help push your technique that little bit further, then you should definitely check out what Carve can do. Use the code GELLIE15, that's G-E-L-L-I-E-1-5, to get 15% off for the next two weeks.